Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, and welcome to Wonder Gold, a new soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host, Michael Leboff, and every Monday and Thursday, I'll be joined by my action colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. Together, the three of us will handicap games from the Champions League to Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, and even Legal. Before we get to the board, I do have one piece of business to attend to. To celebrate this new journey we're all on, we're holding a contest. And all you need to do to enter said contest is leave us a nice review on the Wonder Goal podcast feed. If you do that, and leave your Twitter handle in the review, you will be entered to win the soccer jersey of your choice from this season. Now, with that out of the way, let's get to this week's headliner, which is taking place at Old Trafford, the Theater of Dreams. It features Liverpool, their plus 125 favorites on the road, at Man United, plus 210, the draw is plus 260. This is the 11.30 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. BJ, let's break it down. Yeah, I think Liverpool is going to mollywop Manchester United uh, on Sunday. I mean, Manchester United's offensive regression is uh, very bad right now. I mean, they've scored 16 goals off of 9.1 post-shot expected goals. But that really doesn't even begin to tell the story with how hot Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's seat is right now. I mean, Manchester United is the most pressured team in the Premier League. And Leicester last weekend had the most pressures of anybody in any match in the Premier League this season. And Manchester United really struggled against that. Well, guess what? Now they're facing Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's high press. That is going to cause so many problems. Liverpool is second this season in passes for defensive action, first in ball recoveries. Now, with that being said, Liverpool's defense has been pretty shaky. We saw that in the Champions League on Wednesday against Atletico Madrid. They lost on expected goals. And they haven't really faced any halfway decent attacks in the Premier League outside of, you know, Manchester City. So 
I'm going to trust Liverpool's offense here because it looks pretty much unstoppable right now, averaging 2.65 non-penalty expected goals per match, which is first in the Premier League, over 20 shots per 90 minutes. They've created 23 big scoring chances already in eight matches, and they're second in the league in box entries and crosses completed in the 18-yard box. And Manchester United's defense really honestly just got exposed against Leicester uh, this past weekend and against Atlanta on Wednesday in the champions league. So they haven't been that great so far this season, 11th in non-penalty goals, uh, expected goals allowed and 11th in big scoring chances allowed. So I'm going to go Liverpool over one and a half goals at minus 115. I'm going to trust their offense given their uh, defensive regression. That's probably going to happen. So uh, I really just don't see how Liverpool's not going to put two on the board here at Old Trafford. Yeah. Another interesting performance from Manchester United. Uh, Their game plan seems to just be to hang around in games and then hope that they get enough moments of magic from either either Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcus Rashford, because they they do have a ton of talent. Right. So they're never really out of a game. And that seems to be what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's plan is like you guys just hang around in this game somehow. And then hopefully in the 82nd minute, we'll score, you know, Ronaldo will toe poke a goal in the six yard box. Uh, Both teams to score in this game is minus 195. So that tells you that bookmakers are expecting uh, at least a little back and forth. So I actually like the over Uh, it's over three plus 110. I think this game, like BJ said, I don't see Liverpool having many problems getting at least one or two. Uh, I think United will get on the board. Uh, I I could see this being, you know, a two, two, three, two kind of game. Uh, So I like to over it three. And if I, I'm kind of tempted by United, but I want to see if this number uh, ticks up a little bit before the game, uh, before game time, you know, maybe plus 230, uh, plus 250 in that range. Uh, And then I'll I'll definitely be interested in, in a a team that I really don't want to bet and a team that I don't want to bet against, but Hell, if we're not doing this for the pain, what are we doing it for? Right, Anthony? Yeah, there's actually a case to be made for this not quite being as open as, uh, as it, you know, the numbers would suggest it is. And the, and the one argument for that is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the past, when he's played up against some of the bigger Premier League sides, has often tended for a very conservative, very pragmatic approach. I think there was some record of, of like a dozen, six uh, or a half dozen, six uh, straight zero zero games involving Manchester United with Liverpool, uh, Chelsea and Manchester City last season. I, there was not a lot of goals to be had. They're going to bunker in. And in a lot of ways, it actually suits Manchester United a little bit. Uh, but I'm not going to get and back this defense. Like, like BJ mentioned, they're 11th in non-penalty XG allowed. They're 11th in big scoring chances, eighth in shots, pretty mediocre numbers across the board defensively. And that's playing teams that are much worse than Liverpool offensively. They have not played any attack that I would consider in the Premier League's elite. Two best attacks they have played have been Leicester City and West Ham. We're probably in that second tier, but they haven't played Chelsea. They have not played City. They have not played Liverpool, uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, any of those teams who you would consider in the big six. Uh, So this is really going to be their first true challenge, and they have not even passed their, their minor challenges so far. I'm staying away from this one right now. I may look for a live over. I think that this is a situation where uh, we may see a slow start from Solskjaer's men and, and they, they bunker in and try to defend and hit on the counter. Uh, and then this game really opens up later on. So I'm going to, I'm going to probably not play it before the match, but look to play it live. Yeah. And he's got so much talent coming off the bench. That's the, the we, this, this team is so weird that they could, they, you can be watching two completely different games. Like we saw against Atalanta, right? The first half and the second half were completely different games. Uh, all right, let's move on. There is a Friday kickoff. We always love those. 3 p.m. Eastern time featuring Arsenal, uh, minus 110 at home against Aston Villa, plus 300. The draw, plus 270. I was on Crystal Palace on the money line against Arsenal uh, this past Monday. Of course, 
Arsenal would get the draw in the last minute of that game. As soon as I came out of the fetal position, which I was in for a couple hours, first thing I did was bet Aston Villa at three to one on the money line. It's simple as this. Arsenal is a mid-table side. Aston Villa, they're also a mid-table side. I'll take the plus 300. BJ. Yeah, so I guess full. we might as well get this out there. Full disclosure, if you're listening to us for the first time, I am an Arsenal fan. Anthony is a Tottenham fan, so everything he says is just drenched in bias, so you really shouldn't take it for any type of value. But, I mean, listen, I mean, Arteta Ball's not going well right now. I mean, they they weren't as bad as it seemed against Crystal Palace. You know, they won unexpected goals, 2.15 to 0.59. They didn't allow Palace to register a shot with an XG rating higher than 0.13. But it doesn't really look like uh, Bakayo Saka is going to play in this match, or he's at least questionable uh, to play. And I'd also like to say as an Arsenal fan, whoever made the Premier League schedule should be fired for having us play on Monday and then on Friday. But Aston Villa is dealing with some injury issues. Uh, Bershon Traore is questionable, or he's out. He's going to miss this match. Matty Cash and Leon Bailey are both questionable. Arsenal's defense has not been good at all. 15th in non-penalty XG, 19th in passes per defensive action, 15th in box entries. But Aston Villa's offense hasn't been that great either. I mean, they're 16th in non-penalty expected goals, 18th in big scoring chances. So um, it's not just a given that Arsenal is going to concede a bunch of high quality chances. So uh, this is a stay away for me. Um, As a fan, I really hope they can just take all three points and make both you lose your bets. But uh, right now it's, it's no play for me. I guess you alluded to it, Anthony. I think you're going to be riding uh, on Aston Villa with me for this one. Yeah, I'll have a full preview in the Action Network app and on the website uh, so you can read on more on this match. But it, it, my projection makes Villa minus 125 to get a point. I've got Arsenal plus 125 to take all three at home. So I like anything minus 110 or better. The reality is that Arsenal scored or created a lot of chances off of set pieces against Palace. That was how they got most of their chances. So they got the goal that, that you know, was kind of a beat bopping around the box that led to a goal from Lacazette. Uh, but they really weren't great from open play. They looked very vulnerable. The thing about Arsenal is they were very vulnerable to direct attacks and counterattacks, which is exactly how Villa likes to play, especially on the road. They like to get it up to Ings and up to Watkins up there and try to uh, play off of them as holdup guys. The reality is that Arsenal also doesn't create a lot of high quality chances. Their bottom half of the league and average shot distance the Villa defense doesn't concede a ton of high quality chances. Their their uh, average shot distance allowed is fourth lowest in the league. So that's going to lead to a lot of periods of Arsenal possession where they get a lot of low quality shots. And with Emi Martinez is one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier League. It's going to be very hard to score on those lower quality shots. And Villa actually creating a decent amount of high quality chances when they played, for example, Manchester United, who have had issues in defensive transition. I think there's going to be similar issues for Arsenal in this match. So I like Villa to get a point here. Don't hate a look on the money line either. Uh, but I think that this is going to be another tight match and a tricky one for Arsenal. And then uh, we'll move on to Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. This one's going to be fun. Chelsea minus 600 at home against Norwich at the foot of the table. They're 15 to one on the money line. The draw is seven to one. Uh, Norwich, they haven't been ahead in any of their eight games this season. They only have two goals, a minus 14 goal differential. Chelsea has not been that impressive lately. They looked good uh, against Malmo, but... uh, you know, that's playing a Swedish team. So I don't really think there's anything to look into that. However, Romelu Lukaku came off injured in that game. Chelsea, as we've talked about uh, in the Champions League uh, preview we did earlier this week, Chelsea has looked a little bit vulnerable as of late. I want to call it a wobble. This is still a very good team. They're still at the top of the Premier League. This is first against 20th. Um, 
not going to do it. I really wish I had uh, the cojones too, but I do like both teams to score here. Norwich does deserve a little bit of offensive regression. They do have a couple of finishers. Uh, I can't see them pulling a result out of uh, Stamford Bridge, but I do think that this Chelsea defense uh, can be beat. So I, I like both teams to score. It's a uh, plus 155 right now. I think that's good enough to, to pray that Norwich is able to get lucky and, and poke one past uh, one of the best goalies in the world right now, Edward Mendy. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, bet, uh, worst call from the Champions League was definitely Mamo over half a goal. Uh, plus 220, sure, was just a shot, but never had a chance. Uh, they, they had two shots, 0.07 expected goals. Uh, bad call. But uh, this week, Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku both getting injured. Timo Werner looks like he's going to be out a while. Lukaku may not be, but he's definitely going to be questionable on Saturday. Not, not sure what the injury prognosis is. We're recording on Wednesday night, but I think that that really changes the calculus for this Chelsea attack, which was already running quite a bit hot and over their expected goals numbers for the season, Chelsea plus 1.8 expected goal difference, plus 13 actual goal difference. Anytime you see a gap that big, you're going to look to, uh, you know, be a little skeptical of those numbers per se. Norwich is the worst team in the league. Like Michael said, they're worse than pretty much any metric you can look at. The line is still inflated though with Chelsea at home here. Um, my numbers make them minus 1.78. Uh, Norwich has only scored two goals from 6.4 expected as well. I'm not going to say Norwich is going to keep this game competitive necessarily, but it's a very chance. It's a very decent chance. It's a sleepy noon kickoff uh, where uh, Chelsea gets up a goal uh, and kind of sits on the lead here and tries to protect it. Norwich may even get on the board. Could be a 2-1 type game. I really don't see Norwich losing this game by three goals with Chelsea's attacking uh, issues. And so I'm going to just eat it here and take Norwich plus two at minus 110. Yeah, not a fun one uh, to sit back and watch for sure at 7.30 in the morning with your coffee. Uh, good Lord. Everton, uh, this is a 10 a.m. kickoff. They are minus 165 favorites at home against Watford. Claudio Ranieri's Watford, his uh, debut with the Hornets did not go well. They lost 5 nothing to Liverpool last weekend. They're plus 475. The draw plus 310. Uh, the Toffees are dealing with a host of injuries. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Abdullahi Decore, both out. Uh, so Rafa Benitez does have some work to do with his team sheet, but I still think that uh, the Toffees are deserving of this number right now. Their expected goals numbers are good. This is a very well-organized team, but Ranieri and Rafa Benitez both kind of have similar philosophies on how to get results. They both like to ping on the counter. Everton has more talent uh, and more attacking talent in that way. I I, I mean, uh, Ismail Assar, great uh, striker, but I still think that the Toffees have enough to get it over. This number is a little, little too high for me. I might look to play um, Everton on a on a minus one and a half or even like minus two and a half if I, if I want to just sit back and have action on the game because I'll be watching it as an Everton fan. But uh, for right now, it's a pass for me. Uh, BJ, what about you? I actually do like Everton in this match. Like you mentioned, they do have a couple injury issues, but Richarlison will be back, uh, it looks like, for this match, which will be a big boost to their offense. And more, it's going to be kind of a bet against Watford, who has looked really bad defensively. I mean, they've allowed 1.87 expected goals per match. They're 18th in box entries allowed. But the biggest problem for Watford in this match is they are horrible against pressure. And we saw it last week when they faced off against Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool basically just, whenever Watford got the ball, Liverpool just took it away and ran right down the field and scored. Uh, Watford is dead last in offensive passes per defensive action. They're 18th in pressure success rate allowed. Everton is pressing quite a bit. They're eighth in pressures and have the sixth best pressure success rate. So um, I think this is a, 
a play on Everton at minus 150 because also Watford has not looked good offensively uh, in their last two matches. They haven't created over one expected goal. And uh, in, so I think going up against an Everton defense that's sixth in expected goals allowed and seventh in big scoring chances allowed, I think is going to be a really big problem uh, for Watford. You know, I have Everton projected at minus uh, 212. Um, you know, you bring that down a little bit for Dominic Calvert-Lewin being out, but still, I think there's some value on Everton at Goodison Park. Um, you can find them below minus 160 right now. There's a couple 150s out there. So uh, Everton Moneyline uh, will be my pick for this match. And then we'll head south to the South Coast. Another 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday morning. Southampton, minus 105 against Burnley, who are plus 300. The draw sitting at plus 250. I love Burnley in this match. I really do. This is another team that's due for some offensive regression, right? Like they are more open than we've ever seen them uh, in and under Sean Dyche. Like they are allowing chances. They are creating more. They're not putting any away, unfortunately. I'm not saying they're a good team, but at some point this offense is, is going to catch up slightly to its uh, expected goals numbers. So I think that they, they can get the job done here. The, uh, the press of uh, Ralph Haas and Hoodle Southampton against the stoic four, four, two of Sean Deitch's Burnley is, I mean, that is a beautiful, beautiful soccer match to watch. It's, it's, it's something that it's just not going to register with a lot of people on these 10 AM kickoffs. But if you wanted to watch a, tactical two tactical opposites go at it right now and neither neither whom neither of whom are very good this is the uh this is the match to watch i like burnley plus 300 uh i really think that they'll finally get their first win of the season this is what they do every year they people start counting them out and then all of a sudden they rattle off a few uh strong results so give me the clarets give me sean deitch give me plus 300 on burnley anthony are you joining me in this one uh, not quite, but I do think there's going to be some goals uh, at both ends of the pitch. Uh, over two and a half goals is actually my favorite bet of the weekend in the Premier League. Uh, it's all about positive offensive regression for both teams. Southampton, a team I think all of us were low on coming into the year, struggling to create chances, even struggling even more to finish said chances. Uh, the, the latter tends to regress. They have created uh, or they have the lowest uh, XG to goal difference in the league. So there's six goals behind what their expected goal numbers are. Uh, they've had a lot of clear-cut chances they've missed so far this season. Same thing can be said for Burnley, who uh, are four and a half goals below their expected goals numbers. So some real positive regression coming for both sides here. Only Norwich is worse in terms of uh, underperformance by XG. Burnley, also a team, as we know, that loves to rely on crossing. Southampton, not terrible against crosses, but has conceded a lot of high-quality chances. Once they get through that Southampton press, their defense has been extremely vulnerable, as most pressing teams are. Uh, and they've created a lot of high quality chance or conceded a lot of high quality chances. So I think there's going to be chances at both ends of this match here. Uh, any real magic that Burnley has defensively, which is something that's kind of befuddled the analytics people for years, doesn't really seem to be there this year. They're just not blocking as many shots. Nick Pope has not, it turns out, is not the best goalie in the world. The way he was playing for a little while there made it seem like he was, but he's kind of regressed back to the mean and back to what his real talent level is. So they're not quite overperforming defensively either. So I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I've got 2.6 expected. So I'm okay playing two and a half at even. I have a, a Burnley stat that's just maybe the most Burnley stat of all time. They have created more expected goals off of corners this season than from open play. And that's Southampton's really struggled defensively on set yes. pieces as well. Manchester United created a bunch of chances off of set pieces. Leeds created almost nothing, but almost everything they did create came from set pieces last week. Uh, so uh, definitely some set piece defensive issues for Southampton as well. 
And that's why we love Burnley. Uh, I never, I always root for them to not be relegated because they're such an outlier. They're, they're fun to have in the Premier League. I don't care what anybody says. Another 10 a.m. kickoff uh, leads at home, plus 145 favorites against Wolves, plus 195. The draw, plus 245. Wolves, uh, four and four wins, four losses, eight goals for, eight goals against, but a plus three and a half expected goal differential. BJ, this, this match, if this happened in like week one or week two, I think we'd see a very different line. Uh, but these two teams have trended in opposite directions to start the season. Right. I think you dubbed their first uh, YouTube show Leeds plays cocaine ball. And that's just exactly what they do. I mean, it's a full court press all the time, trying to get five or six guys on the ball, trying to get in and go forward. Well, that sounds great. But for Marcel Bielsa, that leaves you really exposed at the back and going up against a team like Wolves, who has looked really good on the attack. That's a big problem. I mean, Wolves is eighth in the Premier League in non-penalty expected goals, uh, shots per 90. They are top 10 in big scoring chances, box entries. And they actually, like you mentioned, they have the fourth best non-penalty expected goal differential at plus 5.16. And the main reason for that is because they've been one of the best defensive teams in the Premier League. They've only allowed 0.87 non-penalty expected goals per match, only 10.3 shots per 90. That's second to only Manchester City. And they've allowed only four big scoring chances. So it's an incredible defense paired with an offense that really can just break down Leeds defense like that, with especially with Adam Atraori going forward. So uh, Leeds hasn't looked great defensively. 14.8 expected goals allowed, second most in the league this season. And also they've allowed the most shots per 90 minutes. So it's a really big mismatch, I think. Uh, so I really don't think Wolves should be underdogs in this one. I think that um, they should be able to get all three points or at the very least, they should be able to get a draw from this one. Uh, so give me their draw no bet line at plus 110. Yeah, I'm going to be with you. I, I like the money line uh, plus 195 with Wolves. Oh, woo! Uh, this is a team that is really good uh, in transition too because of players like Adam Atriori and they have a finisher in Raul Jimenez who, yeah, sure, he's still struggling to get back to the form he was at before he had a horrific skull injury, but we can uh, kind of give him an excuse for that. But I, I still believe in him. I believe in their midfield. And like you said, their defense is, has been really impressive. And I think that's an interesting point uh, that maybe we as handicappers in all sports kind of overlook is when there's a coaching change, so much attention is paid to the new coach that nobody really uh, kind of works in what the old coach, maybe the uh, kind of characteristics of his coaching style, which is Nuno Espirito Santo, who plays a much more compact style compared to his uh successor Bruno Lodge. So these, and, and basically this roster is not changed that much. There's, they've added a couple attacking players, but not too much on the back end. So this is a team that was defensively responsible already. And now they're learning to play uh, a little bit more with a little bit more freedom while still being uh, pretty compact defensively. I like Wolves plus 195. They should be able to get a couple passes leads defense, which is le- leaking like a sieve. And you have to wonder, I mean, they've, they've been banged up all season. If if they're the, uh, I don't want to say it because it's such a soccer cliche that Biasa burnout is starting to rear its head for this team. Anthony, uh, are you making a three for three on Wolves? I am in a different way. Uh, team total over one and a half plus 140. I agree 100% on Bielsa burnout. I don't know how they did it last year. Every team in the league last year really struggled to cope with kind of the fixture congestion, the fact there was no off season after the players came back after the COVID pandemic shut football down for three months, everybody came back and like played a ton and everybody was dead and leads at the end of the season were flying 
flying and had an incredible end of the season and year two regression for them has been notable in every way. The defense is still just as bad as it was last year. They're bottom three in a, in a lot of defensive categories that we look at. The offense just isn't producing quite as much. The team they rolled out against Southampton, that was my worst call of last weekend was, was, was leads. That team they rolled out against Southampton was so bad. I, I mean, I had to go start looking up like, you know, the histories on some of these players because of the guys that you know they had on that bench. Um, some Academy guys, it was really bad. And so Leeds now may have Bamford back, but they're still missing some guys defensively. Ailing is going to be out a while. Robin Cock may be back, but probably not. Uh, they are going to get Rafinha back, which definitely helps their attack. But I really think Wolves is going to be able to get at this team. Uh, I think Wolves has created a ton of chances and not quite finished them. Uh, and what we've seen is that that will regress. They had three goals and an incredible comeback win against Villa. A couple of lucky bounces for sure went their way, but two of those goals uh, were pretty big chances they created through crossing and through cutbacks. So this Bruno Lodge team is really good in space and there's going to be a lot of space when you play leads. So I think it's going to be two goals, at least for Wolves. Uh, so I like over one and a half on the team total. And that would, uh, I think that would make uh, Warren Zevon happy. It's too bad that Leeds isn't in London. Cause I would love to be able to drop in the dun, 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 dun. Next, uh, Crystal Palace, another 10 a.m. kickoff uh, hosting Newcastle. Palace minus 105. Newcastle coming back at plus 280. The draw plus 260. Just a wild couple of weeks for Newcastle. Just an absolute, like, you can't make it up kind of couple of weeks. It's it's half Middle Eastern spy thriller, half, you know, I don't know, underdog story. Who knows what's going on with this team? The Saudi Arabian takeover took place last week. They get a goal two minutes in against Tottenham. It looks like a party. Uh, next thing you know, 3-1 Spurs are up. They end up winning 3-2. And this Newcastle team, it would be kind of hilarious if uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia buys them only to watch them get relegated. But that's for another time. Uh, I like the over in this game. Uh, Newcastle leads the league. I guess you could say it in uh, total goals per match, 3.63. Crystal Palace, not too far behind them. I think they're in six. Uh, I really, really like this Crystal Palace team, but minus 105 is a little, uh, it's, I'm asking a little bit too much of them uh, for me right now. Uh, Connor Gallagher has been a revelation in the midfield. Patrick Vieira seems to have sorted it out. The whole problem with this team forever was that they relied so heavily on Wilfred Zaha, but with Gallagher and players like Elise, like taking some pressure off him, uh, Austin Edward, like all of a sudden Zaha doesn't have to carry this team on his own. And he, he gets a little bit of breathing room. Palace has only lost two games this year, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea, everything else they've been able to get a result from. So I think that they'll, they're going to score. They'll do the heavy lifting for this over, hopefully maybe two or three past the Newcastle defense, which has been leaky, leaky. The only thing that does scare me and the reason I'm not, uh, betting the Palace money line is that Newcastle did uh, switch coaches. I am a little bit afraid of the new manager bounce here. So I'm going to stay away from the money line and just back to over and hope that uh, both teams can can get it done. Uh, BJ, do you see anything in this one? Yeah, Steve Bruce got sacked, resigned. I don't know. He pulled the whole, I, you can't fire me. I quit. It's all politics in Newcastle right now. <laughs> even, even, even firing their manager was handled. Right. Them. Yeah. Um, so I... I mean, I'm going to make a little bit of a case for Newcastle here. Uh, listen, their defensive numbers are really bad. And there's really, 
it's really hard to get behind them with how bad they've been defensively. But Crystal Palace's offensive metrics haven't been that much better. I mean, they're only averaging 0.87 non-penalty expected goals per match, only 10.75 shots per 90, 11.13 box entries per match. And like I mentioned against Arsenal, they didn't register a shot with an XG rating over 0.15. And defensively, they've been better than years past, you know, ninth in expected goals allowed, fifth in big scoring chances allowed, but they're not that great of a pressing team. And, you know, they're 14th in passes per defensive action and pass and pressure success rate. And Newcastle is one of the worst teams uh, against pressure. So um, I only have Crystal Palace projected at plus 148. You know, if you look at other projection sites like 538, they only have Crystal Palace at 45%. So I do like Newcastle at plus half a goal at minus 110 to get a result for new interim manager, Graham Jones, who still to this day holds a scoring record for uh, goals in a season for Wigan, Wigan Athletic. That is a, a beautiful piece of soccer trivia for you, courtesy of BJ Cunningham. All right, let's move on. Uh, 12.30 p.m. kickoff. Brighton plus 650 home underdogs against Manchester City coming back at minus 245 to draw four to one. Uh, City just pants uh, Club Bruges in uh, the Champions League. They look like they're firing on all cylinders, but we see them kind of have hiccups during the season against teams like Brighton. Uh, They just had one against Southampton. BJ, do you think that this is another uh, potential uh, banana skin for Manchester City? Well, yeah, they're playing uh, our Brighton Seagulls. If you're new to our podcast, we're big fans of Brighton on here. We're the expected goals kings of the Premier League last season. I mean, you know, I don't have to mention it, but, you know, fifth best expected goal differential, but finished in 16th place. But, you know, this season, their offensive numbers have really regressed. They're not creating much going forward, uh, but their defense is still there. And it's actually just as good despite selling Ben White to Arsenal. Brighton's third in the Premier uh, Premier League in non-penalty expected goals allowed at .91. They're fifth in shots allowed per 90 their third and big scoring chances allowed. They have played an easy schedule, but you know, you can only play the teams that are in front of you. Uh, But what makes Brighton's defense so good is they're pressing. They have the third most pressures in the premier league and they have the number one pressure success rate, but they also are going up against the best team in the premier league against pressure, which is Manchester city. Um, You know, and like I mentioned, the Brighton offense hasn't been that great at all. You know, they've only created five big scoring chances, 13th in shots per 90, but uh, and they're not going to have a lot of difficulty scoring against Manchester United's de- or Manchester City's defense that is one of the best in the world and only allowed f- uh, 4.71 non-penalty expected goals in eight matches. But uh, even though the City offense has been prolific, I do think Brighton is organized and disciplined enough to hold them in check and keep this match from getting out of hand. Also, both these teams play really slow in their build-up play. Uh, I only have 2.21 goals projected for this match, so I'm going to take a shot at under two and a half goals at even money and hope that city doesn't turn this into a route. Yeah. I'm right there with you. This uh, game feels like a big 10 football match. It's just going to be two teams. Yeah. Two, two beautiful defenses going at it. Like you said, city's the best, maybe the best defense in the world. Brighton fourth in uh, the premier league, according to understats expected goal model. Um, Betting a city under is never fun because they can score four goals in eight minutes, but uh, I'll be on it. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, definitely lean to the under. Uh, I'll, I'll decide on Saturday if I'm going to end up on it. These two teams played twice last year. The one game was at the end of the season, so you can't really read much into it because City had already clinched the title and there was a 10th-minute red card. When they played uh, early in the year, Brighton really struggled to get through the City press, which was unusual for them. They were on the road, to be fair, uh, but Brighton allowed 2.6 expected goals. They really, uh, you know, of all the teams that I like to back Brighton against, City is probably the one I don't. Pep Guardiola has sung the praises of 
uh, Graham Potter in the past, but I think this is probably going to end up being a stay away lean towards the under two and a half. Like BJ mentioned the offensive regression this year for Brighton. It's not that they're in the XG department. It's regression. It's just the fact that their forwards last year, guys who you don't really expect to have all these great shot numbers, all of a sudden started putting up really great shot numbers and it has not sustained this season. Neil Maupe has actually improved a little bit, but everybody else other than him has regressed. And that's where most of the Brighton, you know, their offense is not as good as last year. It's, they're down almost a quarter goal uh, in expected per match. So uh, not a ton of faith in them to even get on the board here. And like you mentioned, City's, City's attack can go off at any time. But, you know, the question is, is the Brighton defense legitimate? I don't think they've really been tested. So it's probably going to end up being a stay away, but I lean towards the under two and a half. All right. Uh, we'll flip the page to Sunday morning, a 9 a.m. kickoff, a London Derby. West Ham plus 145 home favorites. Tottenham coming back plus 195. The draw plus 245. Uh, these two teams, they're separated by one point in the standings, but uh, Spurs, a minus three goal differential. West Ham at plus five. Uh, David Moyes has just done such a spectacular job uh, with the Hammers. It's He deserves manager of the year and just because of the way he's been treated by the the soccer media forever. Like he was just made fun of for the job. He took it uh, when he took this job back after uh, having some trouble with, with other clubs like Real Sociedad and Sunderland and West Ham in his first stint. Uh, but he's, he's learned to, to adapt and he's done such a good job. I like West Ham plus 145. Uh, there's an eight and a half goal differential in these teams expected goal differential. I think that's enough to take a shot on the hammers uh, at a number like this. I kind of like if, if you are betting like something like college football on Saturday or um, excuse me, in the NFL on Sunday, if you, you have like a, another team where you're building around Rob and I like the, the number on this plus 145 to maybe as a sprinkle. And if you're having trouble to figure out maybe the last leg of your round Robin uh, for Sunday, BJ, what about you? In total agreement. I think this West Ham's really undervalued in the spot. It's a mixture of two things. First, their offense hasn't been great. I mean, Mikhail Antonio has been awesome up front. Five goals already has a 0.83 expectable per 90 minute scoring rate. West Ham's top five in non-penalty expectables per match, big scoring chances, box entries. And they're also one of the best teams against pressure. Well, which is good because Tottenham, although they press a ton, they're sixth in pressures. They only have the 18th best pressure success rate. So West Ham should be able to just breeze right through their defense. And if you're going against West Ham, you have to have a really good midfield because Declan Rice and Thomas Schoicek will just boss you the entire match. Um, and I don't know if Tottenham really has that uh, to go up against those two guys. And, you know, yeah, Tottenham has this guy named Harry Kane and this other guy named Young Min Son, but they are 16th in shots per 90, 15th in non-penalty expected goals for match, 16th in big scoring chances, 12th in box entries. This is not a good offense. And they're not that great against pressure either. And, Ses- and uh, West Ham has the second best pressure success rate. So, you know, both these teams are going to be playing in Europe on Thursday. West Ham is at home. Tottenham has to travel to the Netherlands. So it's been a lot of travel for Spurs. who so had to travel all the way up to Newcastle, then back to London, then over to the Netherlands. So, Yes, I'm in total agreement with you, Michael. I have West Ham projected at minus 107, so I love their draw no bet line uh, at minus 130. Anthony, uh, I know you're a Spurs fan, so I'll let you get in 30 <laughs> seconds of why, what you see in this match. Yeah, I definitely probably would lean towards West Ham. I think the number's about right. West Ham and Tottenham are pretty comparable teams. West Ham may be slightly better based on the numbers, uh, but you know, and at home, but I'm not laying minus 130 on their draw no bet line. Uh, Tottenham, 
There are a lot of concerns about a lot of their numbers, but I've seen improvement in the last two weeks since they started playing Tangi and Dombele more and playing him more in a ball progressor role. Him kind of running the show offensively has made for an uptick in numbers. West Ham playing more like a true top five, six team this year than they were last year. Last year, much more of a counterattacking type team where Soychuk was getting forward a lot more this year. They're actually, you know, have the box entry numbers and the ball progression numbers to suggest they're actually possessing the ball more too, uh, which might play into the Tottenham hands here where Tottenham will be happy to sit back and counter. Uh, but overall, I'm going to sit and pass on this match. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have the same song and dance about Tottenham about a dozen times in the next few weeks. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> They're not very good. I'm not a Nuno Espirito Santo guy, but agree. here, I think the number's about right. Uh, no, don't agree. I heard Nuno <laughs> described once as a sad Jedi. He does look incredibly wise and he seems like just a yes. ter- terrific, terrific it's the, guy. It's the beard for him, yeah. I think. He's, just, yeah. he's got a great look, handsome dude. Uh, also, our, the David Moyes Coach of the Year talk is extremely disrespectful to Thomas Frank of Brentford. Just putting well, that so let's right. get to Brentford. Uh, they're plus 170 against at home against Leicester, also plus 170. The draw plus thir- 230. This is uh, the other 9 a.m. Sunday kickoff. Leicester looked good uh, against Manchester United last weekend. The, the three of us have kind of been against them all season, uh, waiting for maybe their results to kind of plummet. Uh, I'm going to go back uh, to fading them again this week, though. I, I, I'm in love with this betting this Brentford team. <laughs> they, they, they treated me right once and they haven't really treated me right since because I keep losing uh, on last second draws on the money line or whatever, uh, whatever. Uh, I'll go back to the B's plus 170. I like the matchup. Uh, Leicester struggles defensively. They are a team that is uh, their strength is their offense. Brentford's defense is still holding up. I'll trust that defense to be able to handle Jamie Vardy and company. And then conversely, Ivan Tony and Aguemo, like that's a great... Great strike force against a really, really susceptible defense. So I think Brentford can can pull the job here. Plus 170, I think, is a good number at home uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, BJ, what about you? I don't want to do this, but I got to throw some cold water on Brentford right now. I mean, yeah, they're fifth and expected goal differential. Yes, they should have beaten Chelsea last week, but their offense is just entirely built on creating big chances. You know, they're averaging 1.58 expected goals per match, which is what they, and they have the fifth most big scoring chances, but they're only allowing, or they're only averaging 11 shots per 90 minutes, which is 16th in the Premier League, 9.75 box entries per match, which is 18th. And now Leicester's defense hasn't been great so far, but they are tied with Wolves for the fewest big scoring chances allowed. And Brentford is also the most pressured team in the Premier League, and they're allowing the highest pressure success rate. And like I already mentioned, Leicester had the most pressures of anybody in a Premier League match this season, season last weekend against Manchester United. And I do think Leicester has kind of turned a corner, especially offensively. They torched Manchester United, 3.1 expected goals. They have a ton of depth at the striker position, and they're not just completely reliant on Jamie Vardy. Kalechi Iheanacho and Patson Daka are two really talented strikers. In fact, Daka just scored four goals against Spartak Moscow on Wednesday in the Europa League, and that's a Spartak Moscow defense that's only allowing 0.6 expected goals per match in the Russian Premier League. So I do think they'll be able to create a lot of chances uh, now that they are actually finally fully healthy for the first time. They've been dealing with a ton of injuries early on this season. Uh, I have Leicester projected at plus 139, so I think there's some value right now in their draw no bet line at minus 105. Yeah, I, I really am. I'm, I don't feel that great about this bet, I'll, I'll be honest. Just Leicester performance against Man- uh, Manchester United last week, it did, as you said, did seem like a kind of season changer uh, a little bit. They did look really good, basically in all, all three phases of the game. Anthony, uh, how do you see this one shaking out? 
Yeah, give me the over again. Uh, look, Leicester overs. Uh, early in the season, they were bad. The market was overvaluing them quite a bit. I think we all cashed tickets against them. Uh, but the market hasn't really caught up, caught up to their improved attack. BJ mentioned it. They've scored or created a lot more chances their last five matches. If you cut their season into two, the first five matches, including one game against Napoli in the Europa League, really concerning, scarily bad underlying numbers. Uh, they were one of the worst teams in shot creating actions and shots and in uh, progressive passes. They just they had nothing, uh, but they're starting to get there. They're getting there in the last five matches, including a Europa League game and now two Europa League games with, with the win today. Uh, they're starting to turn the corner. And I agree with BJ that. Uh, the offense, there was always way too much talent for them to stay this bad offensively, but defensively, there's still major concerns about Lester, who, as BJ mentioned, hasn't conceded a ton of big scoring chances, but the other underlying numbers are kind of concerning with the fact they're not offering a ton of resistance in defensive transition, which is where Brentford will thrive. I mean, Brentford, you mentioned their numbers, not great in terms of box entries. That's because they're extremely efficient. They get a lot of counters and Buemu and Tony are very good at combining and creating high quality chances. That's what Brentford's done all year. That's what I expect them to continue to do here. I think it's going to be a wide open game where both teams are kind of vulnerable defensively in certain spots. And I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth transition here. So with Brentford at home, I think there's going to be an inspired effort. Over two and a half goals is even money. I like that too. And that, uh, that wraps up the uh, Premier League portion of our show. So we will move on to Europe proper. Uh, perhaps outside of Liverpool Man United, which is one of the great rivalries in sports, is El Clasico, probably the co-headliner for this weekend. It's not your dad's grand. Uh, it's not your dad's El Clasico. We'll say that with the way that Barcelona kind of struggled this year, but they are plus 170 at home. Real Madrid plus 160, the draw plus 255. This is a 10 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. Just because I'm going to be watching this game, this is I'm probably going to be betting Real Madrid. I think the number is good enough to once again go against Barcelona. They did look good, uh, better, I guess, in the in the Champions League on Wednesday in a in a one nil win against. Uh, Dinamo Kiev, so not really a giant killing, <laughs> but uh, I I I don't know. I don't. It would be a small bet, a for fun bet. I want action on the game. I want action on El Clasico. Uh, I, it's hard to stop Kareem Benzema. So plus one sixty for me on Real Madrid. BJ, what about you? I'm going to make a case for Barcelona. Yeah, they haven't looked great at all. You know, their offensive numbers have dipped quite a bit since Lionel Messi has left. They're down 22% non-penalty expected goals. But defensively, Barcelona has been really good. I mean, uh, in the Champions League match against Dinamo Kiev, I mean, they're not a great offense, but they only allowed them to register 0.1 expected goals total for the match. And this season in La Liga, they're only allowing 0.89 non-penalty expected goals for match and have allowed the third fewest shot-creating actions uh, and the fewest touches in their own final third. Now, they will be without Pedri for the match but I mean Barcelona I think they are improving and they're running into a Real Madrid side that's been running incredibly hot and lucky offensively 22 goals off 15.17 expected goals and this is by far the best defense that they've played all season long and their La Liga schedule has been relatively easy they haven't faced Atletico Real Sociedad or Sevilla and Real Madrid defensively hasn't been a juggernaut either by their 17th and non-penalty expected goals allowed 10th and being scoring chances allowed 13th and pressure success rate. So I have Barcelona projected at plus 133. And I do think there's a little value in their draw no bet line at plus 105. I do think like Anthony mentioned in our Champions League pod, Barcelona hasn't hit the basement yet. They definitely could, but they haven't got there yet. And I do think they're maybe starting to turn a little bit of a corner. I know Anthony also mentioned that in the Champions League pod, but I think this might be the match where they maybe finally turn that corner and uh, maybe get all three points against uh, their hated rival. It would be quite the 
quite the match for them to do it. Anthony, what do you see on this one? Uh, you know, I really want to get behind Barcelona again, um, but I can't here. Uh, big game Barcelona. You know, it's become like a running running thing here where, look, Barcelona looks good when they play teams that they're able to boss, don't have a ton of ability in transition, that aren't able to really break through their press and possess kind of style. This Barcelona team, when they went to Atleti, I mean, it was one of the most shocking defensive transition performances I've ever seen. I mean, Atleti would string it together two passes and they were in the penalty area with a clear cut chance to score. Uh, and, and so Barcelona will probably have the ball here. They'll probably be expected to have the ball being the home team here. And Real Madrid will probably look to, to counter a little bit. I just really don't have enough faith in Barcelona in that spot. Uh, against another team who's a very capable counterattacking side. Uh, so I'm going to pass, but I agree with BJ and directionally in the fact that I think Barcelona is improving. Uh, they've got too much young talent to stay as bad as I think the narrative has gotten on them because they've looked so bad in the big games. They've looked terrible against PSG last year. They got crushed in both out classicos last year. They didn't look good against Atleti a couple of weeks ago. So every time the spotlight's been on Barca, they have not been good. Uh, and the reason for that, I think, is just that they're very vulnerable in defensive transition. So I'm going to pass. Yeah, Kareem Benzema might be part of the reason that they're overperforming their expected goals. He is, yes. uh, he doesn't miss. Uh, so he's, he's and neither does Vinicius Junior. Yeah, just yeah, right now, scoring Vinicius goals for fun now, yeah. which yeah. is not good for people who bet under in the Champions League game on Tuesday. Yeah, I do. I do think this is also the first time that uh, Camp Nou will be at full capacity since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a good atmosphere on Sunday. Yeah, it's definitely uh, one to watch after West Ham uh, puts it away against Tottenham in the first half after that, like, 4-5-0 exactly. or something. Uh, what about the rest Tottenham of Tottenham, first half team anyway. We're a first half team. Anyway. <laughs> so what about the, the, the rest of La Liga? Uh, BJ, what's your favorite bet if you got one in uh, Spain's top flight? Yeah, I like Mallorca plus half a goal at plus 120. Uh, they're facing off against Valencia, who I don't think should be this big of a favorite. Uh, I mean, offensively, they're only averaging 0.99 or 0.98 non-penalty expected goals per match, 11th in shots per 90, 11th in box entries. You know, Mallorca, on the other hand, has run into some horrible luck. If you go through the results, you'll see a 6-1 loss to Real Madrid. They only allowed 2.37 expected goals in that match, a 2-3 loss at home to Osasuna. They won the expected goals battle 4.03 to 1.33. And they even played Real Sociedad tough on the weekend, lost one nothing, but uh, the expected goals battle was only 0.49 to 0.43. And, you know, Valencia last season had one of the worst expected goal differentials in La Liga. So I'm not really convinced that they've uh, turned a corner. And I only have Valencia projected at uh, plus 112. You know, if you look at 538, they only have them at 51%. So I do like Mallorca plus half a goal at plus 120. Anthony, uh, what's your favorite bet in La Liga this weekend? I know we're on the same side here. Uh, it's our Sociedad boys. Uh, we hyped them up a little bit on our on our preseason pod when we talked about kind of how to get at this this Spain situation where Real Madrid is not as good as they've been. Barcelona is not as good as they've been. As they've been. Obviously losing Messi and Atleti, we know, got very lucky and fortunate to win the league last year. Well, how about Sociedad? Why not us, right? Uh, they are second in the league, maybe third now in uh, expected goal difference, plus 0.62. That includes a game against Barcelona in the first match where they got absolutely destroyed. So since that, they've been even better. Uh, Atletico Madrid continues to be meh, you know, in terms of expected goals. And look, we expect the Diego Simeone team to over, overperform. That's just what they always do. They have plus finishers on offense and they have one of the best uh, goalies in the world. I'd argue the best goalie in the world and Jan Oblak defensively. But 
still overvalued here at home. So I'll take a shot plus a half Real Sociedad plus 120. I think Sociedad is undervalued. They have some really good, fun, young attackers that we happen to like on this podcast. Uh, Alexander Isak, who's the official uh, striker of this podcast, I believe. And so he, he, uh, He's really uh, taken the step forward this year in terms of his, not only his shot numbers, but his chance creation and kind of facilitating the attack. He's very good at that. Uh, very good with the ball at his feet. So I think he can create chances against this Atleti team, especially in transition. Uh, so I like Sociedad to get a point or more here. Yeah, I like Sociedad on the money line, plus 425. Obviously, Atleti uh, this week just had... Luck box. Is, yeah, this is a, a kind of like a flat spot for them after a... Highly emotional game against Liverpool over uh, on Tuesday in Champions League. All right, let's move on to Germany. Uh, Bundesliga, my favorite bet is uh, Dortmund minus one and a half goals against Bielefeld. It's at plus 100 right now. Dortmund, we know, great offense, bad defense. Bielefeld, terrible, terrible offense. Can't really uh, take advantage of the black and yellow's biggest weakness. So I think don't even overthink this one. Lay the minus one and a half with uh, Erling Holland and Dortmund. Uh, BJ, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Cologne plus half a goal, uh, minus 125 against Leverkusen. Cologne offensively has actually been pretty good in the Bundesliga. 1.43 expected goals per match, fourth at most shots uh, per 90 minutes, fourth most box entries, fifth most scoring, uh, big scoring chances. And the last time they were on the field, they didn't look good. They got destroyed 5 nothing by Hoffenheim. But their defense, while it hasn't been that great, it's pretty much all due to the fact that they – just allow one or two big scoring chances to match because they're only allowing the seventh most shots per 90 minutes and fifth most box entries. And they have the third best pressure success rate. And they're going to get to Leverkusen team. That's been incredibly lucky offensively. They've scored 21 goals off of 12.07 expected goals. They're 13th in shots per 90 ninth in big scoring chances, 15th in box entries. This is not a good offense. It's just been incredibly lucky. I mean, they have my guy, Patrick Schick, who's my official striker of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he has a point, seven, eight expected goal per 90 minute scoring rate, but outside of him, nobody's really creating anything uh, for Leverkusen and defensively. They've been pretty, they've been pretty shaky. 1.54 expected goals allowed. They're traveling on Thursday to go play a Europa league match uh, against Real Betis. So going to have some jet lag or maybe some, you know, tired legs there on Sunday. So yeah, give me Cologne plus half a goal at minus minus one twenty-five. Anthony, where are you going? The Bach is back. Uh, look, uh, Gladbach money line, uh, even money right now, like anything plus, I probably play it to minus 110. They're trending up significantly in attack. They're into the top four in expected goal difference now. The difference in the last few matches 1.5 against Dortmund, 3.1 expected goals against Wolfsburg, 2.6 against Stuttgart. The difference, the return of Brayel Embolo, the other official striker of the podcast. Uh, Brayel Embolo has been incredible. He is just awesome. He led the Euros in expected threat, which is basically chance creation around the box, dribbling, passing, ball progression, shots. Uh, he's done it all for this attack. And Jonas Hoffman is back on the right wing to kind of facilitate with Embolo. They've switched up how they're playing the midfield a little bit. They've they've kind of shuffled Florian Neuhaus out for the moment. He's been really struggling this season after a great leader last year. Gladbach is a huge mismatch here, though, against a Hertha team who is really bad, relegation level bad. There's five teams in the Bundesliga that look absolutely awful. They look like they're going to be competing for those two and a half relegation spots. Gladbach, top five in shots, expected goals, box entries, and big scoring chances. At the other end, Hertha is bottom four out of 18 in shots allowed, box entries, ball recoveries, so they don't really uh, press a ton and don't really win the ball off Gladbach a lot. 
They've been pummeled by every decent team they've played. Leipzig beat them by six. Bayern beat them by five. This Hertha team has had a couple of luck wins against relegation fodder and has otherwise been awful. So I think Gladbach here, I faded him last week, got pretty lucky. I'm on him this week. Back to back, back to back. Borussia much in Gladbach, money line. Also, pain train bet of the week. Hoffenheim plus two and a half against Bayern. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Let's not, even, let's not even get into it. Let's just, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know how many play it yet. Hoffenheim actually has a really fun, really good attack. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting match. It's one I will be watching uh, because I think they can absolutely create chances against Bayern. I think it's going to be a really interesting test, but it's going to suck. Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim's defense is bad, bad. And they're at Bayern. Yeah, and so suck. I'm going to have to think about how I'm going to play this. I might do a team total, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, just keep an eye on Benfica. On action, Benfica was just awful. I mean, yeah, they were nil-nil for 70 minutes and then completely folded like a beach chair. They almost scored uh, like a minute before Bayern did. Yeah, exactly. And then four goals, of course. So All right, that was a painful loss. <laughs> Please, can we stop talking about Bayern Munich? Please. <laughs> I hate them. Syria, I like Roma <laughs> plus 180. Uh, they're taking on Napoli and probably the, the game of the weekend over in, uh, in Italy. Uh, Jose Mourinho's team, they've been pretty good. Napoli has been really, really good. Their defense is uh, clicking on all levels, but their strength of schedule is all, not all that impressive. Uh, at some point, they're going to lose uh, Luciano Spalletti's team. So I'm going to try to beat him with uh, Jose Marino plus 180. Then hopefully he's running down a touchline uh, at Stadio Olimpico uh, at you know 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go under two uh, and three quarter goals in uh, Lazio and Verona. It's just it's just a matter of both teams being a little bit overrated. Lazio is fourth in big scoring chances, despite pretty mediocre crossing and ball progression numbers. Uh, Mauricio Sarri managing there. They're just not a great attack. The 12th in shots. They like to pass the ball around. That's kind of how Sarri does it. But Verona also has above average pressing numbers. They should be able to kind of disrupt Sarri ball a little bit. Both teams are wildly overperforming XG. So under two and three quarter goals is good for me. BJ, where are you taking us in Italy? Well, we're going to be following Fiorentina around the country. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. so overrated. Minus 4.4 expected goal differential, second worst in Serie A, but they're somehow in the top half of the table. Uh, they're dead last in non-penalty expected goals for. They do have uh, a good striker in Dusan Vlahovic, but he's outside him. They have nothing. Cagliari's, you know, they're not as bad as they seem. Yeah, I'll take uh, Cagliari plus half a goal, plus 125. With all the enthusiasm of like a rhinoceros charging something yeah. there. That sounds yeah. like a great bet. Uh, all right, Ligue 1, this is uh, for, for the f- top flight in France. This is BJ's area of expertise, so we'll let him uh, serve as our guide right now. Yeah, Lens minus one against Stade de Brestois. This Lens team is really, really good. Outside of the big clubs in France, they're top five in pretty much every offensive metric that you look at, and defensively, they're juggernaut as well. They play out of the same formation that Chelsea plays for, out of the three, four, two, one. They only allow 0.88 expected goals for, per 90 minutes when playing out of it. Saad de Bressois is a relegation team. They're bottom five in every offensive and defensive metric you look at. They haven't won a match yet this season. Love lens minus one at plus 115. Anthony, do you have anything for us in France? Yeah, the, the game of the weekend in France. I'm actually going to tune in for this one. Look, I'm not a huge league guy, but there's one team that I love in league on this year, and it's Marseille. Not just because BJ has been betting oh. against them and losing, not just because of that, 
but because they have two former Arsenal, well, one's on loan, two guys who have been absolutely transforming this team in Matteo Ganduzzi in the midfield and William Saliba, who have taken leaps this year, uh, both under the age of 23. Striker Bamba Diang averaging 3.3 shots per 90 and 0.66 XG per 90. He's under 23. The team is getting better. They're trending up. They're fourth in expected goals, third in shots, third in box entries. They're playing a PSG team who is not that good. I'm going to have to bang the drum on that all year. They played level with Leipzig, got a luck penalty that Mbappe totally flopped to get. There was another late penalty that was pretty questionable too. Uh, PSG dead last in ball recoveries, very un-Pochettino-like. Pochettino known for his pressing at Tottenham, not pressing at all because he doesn't have the horses to press. 14th in pressing success rate. They will not be able to win the ball off Marseille, especially in transition. Marseille will score and keep this game close. Marseille plus one, minus 120. More like him him flopping. Yeah, I'll I saw that end on up, Twitter. <laughs> I'll probably end up on, on the Marseille money line just because of that. All right, uh, this is the uh, part of the show where we have to give you a warning. Uh, this part is not for the faint of heart. It's our underdog money line parlay. Uh, don't expect this thing to come through because it's going to be north of 40 to 1. Sometimes it gets as high as like 100 to 1 uh, some weeks. My favorite underdog this week, I hyped him up earlier. I like Burnley plus 300 at Southampton. Don't think Southampton is very good. I think Burnley and the, uh, and the Saints are really, there's not that much that separates them. They play things very differently, but I like uh, the offensive regression to come for the Clarets this weekend, plus 300. Give me Sean Deitch. BJ, what about you? Um, if you've listened to our YouTube show before, you'll know that I have a vendetta against a few teams, and this is one of them. Uh, Troy Ace plus 250 against Stade de Reims. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but if you want to go look at Understat or InfoGoal or FEREF.com, go ahead, because the Stade de Reims team was incredibly overvalued last season, and this season they haven't been great as well. They're bottom five in pretty much every single offensive category, and yeah, Troy Ace is a newly promoted team, and they're not that great, but there is no reason why Stade Reims should be this big of a favorite over really anybody in France right now. And I just have had a vendetta against them for a long time. I can't beat them. And this is another situation where I'm just going to bite the bullet and hopefully I finally defeat them. Sounds wonderful. Anthony, what about you? Well, if BJ's bogey team is Stade Reims, then my bogey team is Bayer Leverkusen cashed a Bayer Leverkusen fade last week on Bayern Munich, which I, another team I don't like betting on, but I did bet on them last week. Cone is plus 220 on the money line. I like them. BJ already talked about this in his Bundesliga section when he made the pick on Cone to uh, get at least a point here. I think they have a good shot to win this match. Cone, one of the more improved teams in the Bundesliga. They were really struggling the, uh, during the pandemic year, but they've been much better this year in pretty much everything metrics-wise. Leverkusen getting a ton of XG over performance from their secondary guys like Florian Verts, who I like, but is not as good as his finishing suggests, and Musa Diaby, who has scored six goals from like two expected. It's just not going to continue. Leverkusen will fade, and hopefully the fade starts and continues after the beatdown at Bayern. Hopefully it continues against Köln. So I like Köln plus 220. If you wrap all three of those teams together, that's Burnley, Köln, and Troyes. That's a 45-1 to payout. Uh, Should they all win, which they won't. All right, let's move on to our favorite bet of the weekend. Anthony, we'll start with you. Who is your favorite bet? Yeah, we're going back to the Premier League. I mentioned it during that section, Southampton and Burnley over two and a half goals. We've got two teams in Southampton and Burnley who are massively underperforming their expected goals numbers going forward. We also have a Southampton team that's conceding a lot of high quality chances, especially from set pieces. We've got a Burnley offense that has a lot of success with crosses, a lot of success with 
corners. They've created a lot from set pieces and crosses, which is where Southampton can be vulnerable here. I think both defenses are pretty mediocre to bad, uh, not quite the same Burnley magic as the past. So I think there's going to be goals in this game over two and a half goals at even money. BJ, what about you? Yeah, it's West Ham draw no bad minus 130. I mean, this the hammers are really good offensively top five and pretty much every offensive metric you look at. What I really like in this matchup though, is Tottenham is one of the worst pressing teams in the premier league and the West Ham is fantastic against pressure. Tottenham somehow offensively can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net, even though they have guys like Harry Kane and young Min son. I mean, 15th and non penalty expected goals per match with those two guys is just pathetic. So uh, I love West Ham at home. Draw no bet minus minus one thirty. And let's make it a party. My favorite bet this weekend. I like West Ham plus 145 on the money line. I would honestly play it down to plus 120. They are the better team. They're at home. This is a pretty good number against a pretty mediocre team in Tottenham. So I'll take the hammers. David Moyes' hammers plus 145 is my favorite bet in soccer this weekend. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure uh, for BJ Cunningham, for Anthony DiDabundo. I'm Michael Leboff. Uh, this has been Wondergoal. And please remember to rate review and subscribe to our podcast and if you do leave us a review make sure to leave your twitter handle to be entered in a contest to win a soccer jersey of your choice from this season 